Hi, I'm Samuel. And I'm Bentley Boyd. And this is the Re-View Podcast. Alright, so we've done a podcast about King Kong, who's a very American monster. Love King Kong. You know, I just was never that much into Godzilla. I don't, don't hate me! Don't hate me, but I think we need to do something about Godzilla because uh, we've heard some good feedback on our first podcasts, and people tell us two things. One, we sound almost exactly alike. Do we? Really? <laughs> so, I don't know how to fix that. But it's so easy to tell because you're over there and I'm over here. No, no, I'm over here and you're over there. No, no, I think you're getting us mixed up. You're over there and I'm over here. I know what I'm talking about. So this is Bentley speaking right now. Shut up, you're going to confuse them. <laughs> oh my god. So, up from the depths, 40 stories high, mean and fire, his head in the sky, Godzilla! 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 And Godzuki! We don't speak his name in this house! Oh, that's right, sorry. We'll have to edit that out. Eh? <laughs> so, so I, of course, had to watch Godzilla stuff uh, growing up on those crappy Saturday afternoons when they wanted to just fill airtime and there was no cable TV yet. Um, but it just, it didn't hit me. And when the cartoon came out, which we just sang the theme song to, and they had freaking Godzilla, you know that I didn't care about that. I was watching Tarzan and Shazam. Okay. Yeah. Well, which is is quality content. You won't find me impugning the character of the 1970s Shazam show. I know. I just for some reason I couldn't get into Godzilla, and then you were born. Okay, so I love Godzilla. Why do you love Godzilla so much? I think it stems from two things. One is a childhood reason, and one is a uh, you know an adult storyteller reason. The first is, as a child, I loved dinosaurs. I mean, yeah, that's true. I just, I loved dinosaurs, could not get enough. I could yeah. tell you everything about dinosaurs. I had books on dinosaurs. I, I just, dinosaurs, 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 dinosaurs. That and articulated dump trucks. Like, those were, <laughs> those were the things that I loved. Yes, that's um, true. I'm not sure. Has there ever been a movie with both? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. Was the 1998 Godzilla movie count? I mean... <laughs> Wait, so, we'll get to that. We'll, we're we'll getting get that. so far ahead of ourselves. The point is... That's one reason. The second reason is as I get older and as I have an appreciation not only for the characters that are created by my contemporaries, but for characters that predate even my father's generation, you know, yeah. I really look at the characters who have survived and lasted in the tumultuous, tempestuous cultural landscape. Who stands above the fray? Who has survived? Whose brand is strong enough? And I can appreciate that uh, as an artist uh, and a pop culture aficionado. What I tell people about superheroes is that they are folk characters, right? I mean, they're folk tales in the same way that Paul Bunyan is a folk tale, and Johnny Appleseed is a folk tale, and John Henry is a folk tale. So every time that somebody retells the origin of Batman or Superman or Godzilla, they're just making the folk tale uh, their own, right? They're bringing it to a new generation. Mm -hmm. I think that's entirely correct for superheroes. I would say Godzilla isn't a retelling of, say, a, a folk story. Godzilla is the book of Revelation. What? Godzilla is the end of the world. He is every, every culture, every civilization has huh. a view of what must the apocalypse look like. Uh -huh. And I believe Godzilla might be one of the most perfect personifications of our fears of huh. the encroaching entropy of death. I mean, he is unstoppable he is 
He is unquenchable. He is... Okay, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. So what makes him different from the vision of that that is in the great novel of America, Moby Dick? What's the difference between Moby Dick, the white whale, and Godzilla? I would say this. First off, Moby Dick did not have as good of a merchandising department. (laughs) Um, True. uh, I think the second thing, on, on a more serious note, is that Godzilla... As much as I love Moby Dick, because honest to goodness, I really do love Moby Dick. I've read it three times. Like, it's it's a great book, people. I'm not, like, just snowing you here. It's really good. But Moby Dick, the whale himself, a lot of it is, his character is, a lot of it is projection from... But isn't that true of Godzilla? No. Godzilla absolutely has a character, and it differs from film to film. Every director brings a different view of... And, and Godzilla has changed... In 1954, the first Godzilla movie, he is this vision of death. He is covered in radiation scars that they Mm. deliberately make look like the victims of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I did not know that. They deliberately use reference photos from those horrific burns to craft that suit. And he is this horrible vision of death. And by the early 70s, Godzilla is borderline the defender of children. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a superhero. He's a superhero. He has become a folk yeah, hero. Yeah. He is uh, what children want to be on the playground when they fight each other. Everyone is saying, no, I want to be Godzilla. I want to be Godzilla. So how does that change happen? Why does he become a good guy? It depends on, I think, what Japan needs him to be. Not to get too uh, Dark Knight about it, but, you know, <laughs> he is... In, in 1954, they need a way to work through their very real, very valid fears very of this recent. happen again. Very yes. recent. Yeah. I mean, it's only nine years removed. Yeah. The American occupation of Japan has only just ended uh, in 1954. Well, you could um, argue it's still going on. It's but, still okay. going on. All right. um, but I'd say, I'd say well, where, where they were governing themselves. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a pretty clear distinction. Understood. Um, and by the 70s, uh, the, the Japan is on the rebound. You know, mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. are coming into their own as an economic power. As They're te- making cars! Yes, as a technological power. You're beginning to see uh, their dominance that will really come to a head in the 1980s and 1990s. Um, so Godzilla is like their... He's their avatar. Avatar, yeah. I would say. Right. And then in the 2000s... You start to see Godzilla become neither a force of good nor evil. He is a, he's like a storm. And this is my favorite version of him, where he is a natural disaster. He is unpredictable. You can kind of project you know, where he might go. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Isn't that what he is in the first movie, the black and white one? I think in the first movie he is much more of a, uh, a retributionary force because it is implied that he has been directly harmed by the nuclear bomb. And he's lashing out at it. So By the time of the 1990s movies... Godzilla like has this deep canon where, yeah, he's kind of ticked about being bombed, but you know he'll fight the monsters from outer space for Earth. He his his opinion of humans seems to oscillate from depiction to depiction. So which movies uh, from the Japanese company that makes them? Which ones do you peg him as being just a kind of a neutral force for good, like a, a force of nature? Which ones? A neutral force, I think, and this is what really shapes what I love about Godzilla, the The most formative Godzilla document for me was Godzilla 2000, which you took me to see, in mm. which the movie opens with him already established as something that happens to Japan regularly. Mm. You know, They have a dedicated team who tracks him like a storm. Yeah. They follow him around this little minivan, you know, with all the other <laughs> equipment on the top of it. And and the lead scientist of that minivan brings his daughter along because this is so commonplace. Yeah. Because, yeah. oh, 
Godzilla's landed again. Yeah. Evacuate Tokyo. We got to get these guys out of here. Like the go weather the, channel. Go to the designated safety routes. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I love that. Yeah. But when an alien from outer space comes down and tries to throw down on Tokyo, Godzilla kind of reverts to this animal territorial instinct and says, well, only I get to step on Tokyo. You know, this yeah. is my place to step on. So he's not necessarily defending humans. He's just saying, this is my turf and I'm a little horked off, but there are hints of a, a greater intelligence there. My favorite scene in Godzilla 2000, and I'll promise I'll stop harping on this specific movie, is the bad guy weapons dealer who's been spending the whole time trying to make weapons that'll kill Godzilla because he hates Godzilla. Mm. He is on the rooftop, and his scientist buddy and his daughter are like, hey, come on, let's just take the stairs down. Godzilla's finished off the bad guy monster. Let's just get him gone. But Godzilla walks right up to this weapons designer as if he knows who he is somehow. Or as mm. if he knows that this is the guy who's been making his life difficult for the past hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And he locks eyes with this little punk. The weapons designer lights a cigarette and just goes, I've never seen Godzilla this close before. And he screams, Godzilla! And Godzilla just swipes him. Just takes mm. out a chunk of the building, not enough to bring the whole building down. Mm. The scientist is unharmed. His daughter is unharmed. But that dude is dead. And mm. like... There is a there is a, a, a vicious intelligence behind those eyes, and that's why I love the 2014 Godzilla movie as well. Wait, 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 hold on. We'll get to that. Look, the other reason that we're doing a Godzilla podcast, the second thing that we've heard from some of the first listeners of our podcast is not only do Samuel and I sound alike, but we're agreeing all the time. <laughs> well, we don't agree on everything. We it's, don't. It's true that we have a broad view that's similar, but I think if you wanted to find like the one pop culture thing where we have the most disagreement, it might be Godzilla. Because I would watch the movies, I just don't care about them. Yeah. I mean... Some of that is because of what you like about it, by the way. So you, where you see the different movies having different viewpoints from different directors and sort of reflecting the change in the times... I mean, for me, I follow other characters. Like, I follow Daredevil in the comics as reflecting that, or Batman in the comics. Uh, for some reason, I don't care what the different versions of Godzilla say. Like, what was the one that just came out that we saw in the theater that, like, there was uh, so much... Shin Godzilla! Man, there was so much talking in that, and I just didn't care. Yeah, yeah. You, that's the political Godzilla, I think? You yeah, called I, I called it the political Godzilla. Shin Godzilla is the most recent Godzilla film to come out of Japan, and probably what prompted this specific podcast. Year? It's 2016, because we 2016, saw it last year. We saw it last year. My God, that was boring. That was such a softball for me to love that film. Like, it was such a, like, Samuel... Here we're gonna put it on the t-ball stand for you to love it. We're just gonna ha just hit it out of the park. It was directed by the guy who created Neon Genesis Evangelion, oh. who loves Godzilla the way I love Godzilla. Would you like me to leave the room? You can just talk for the rest of the podcast. No, because I didn't like Shin Godzilla <laughs> because it was a softball. It was a t-ball that they whiffed. Uh, they screwed it up. Why did they whiff? They whiffed because Godzilla he he doesn't seem to represent any sort of anxiety at this point except almost like a um almost like a, a Cronenberg body modification anxiety like like he reminds me more of like Tetsuo the Iron Man which is a Japanese horror film mm, um haven't seen it it's 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 just it's just about body distortion and and like Godzilla spoilers for Shin Godzilla at the very end you figure out that Godzilla was able he was about to start splitting himself like in half or into little multiples of little like human sized Godzillas and they all had like spines and they were all oh, screaming yeah, it looked was, like a vision of hell and I'm just like gross. yeah and I'm just like <laughs> F off I don't care like I don't I don't care yeah 
There's nothing about this Godzilla that has a lot of personality. This Godzilla spends an inordinate amount of time doing nothing. Uh, the Godzilla I know is not lazy in his city destruction. He is, let's get to it. I got a five o'clock lunch meeting with Ghidorah. We got to get this sucker done. Like, So because I see Godzilla the way most Americans see Godzilla, which is, okay, you know, there's a guy in a rubber suit running around. <laughs> stepping on model trains, you know, so it's like mildly entertaining for a 10-year-old boy. But, you know, I... I had some hope when they made the American Godzilla in the 90s. Oh, we're going back to that, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going back to that because I was like, okay, so we all know this folk hero, but let's see what America can do with it. You know, big budget, it, it'll look better, you know, we'll get a better script. It won't look like this really cheap thing out of Japan. Well, let's be entirely fair. It is not entirely American. Well, that's true. We it have... does show... Jean Reno. Which would make me love it even more. So it's got Jean Reno. Is this like his second or third thing he does after the professional? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a, a good attempt. I thought I remembered being in the theater and watching it, you know, they had the Jurassic Park movies were rolling at that point, and uh, so I could understand why they were trying to do an American Godzilla to take some of that Jurassic mm -hmm. Park money. It had Matthew Broderick, I like Matthew Broderick, it had Harry Shearer in it. For every reason I should like that movie. And I actually kind of had a warm and fuzzy view of it from all these years. But then I went back and watched it just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I literally did what this podcast is asking us to do, which is to re-view what we saw a long time ago to check our memory. And it was really bad. It was so it, 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 bad. It really sucks, oh actually. Um, well, the last third of it is nothing but Jurassic Park. It's, it's just not a Jurassic Godzilla Park. movie. It's, it's just Jurassic, Jurassic Park. It's Jurassic Park. Like, direct shots are lifted from the Lost World. Oh, like, it's terrible. It's so bad. And and Broderick oh. is totally misused. Yeah, uh, he, no, it's terrible. And his love interest is, I'd say, second worst behind... Um, Indy in, right. in, in Temple of Doom. In Temple like, of Doom, yeah. It's awful. The and reason I went back and watched it was because I had just seen the reboot American Godzilla from 20... From uh, 2014. And 2014. so my dad was very insistent, and, and before we rewatched it, I was open to this argument that the 1998 Godzilla, American Godzilla movie, was better than the 2014 one. And then we watched it. And, and I was so wrong. It's not. It's really not. It's really a piece of garbage, actually. It's a piece of garbage. I had it on uh, DVD for many years because I just picked it up cheap somewhere. And it was like one of these things that I have in my stack. I have a stack of things that I want to review after many, many years just to double check and see how it holds up. And I got rid of it so fast. It's terrible. <laughs> um, uh, to be fair, side note, though, another soundtrack that I absolutely loved. Another soundtrack well, still on true. my hard drive. Yeah, that's so that soundtrack Killer survives. Tunes. The soundtrack survives. Americans can do a soundtrack. We can do a soundtrack. But but the movie is unwatchable. So that brings us up to the 2014 Godzilla. And you loved that. I love the 2014 Godzilla movie because I feel that if I made a Godzilla movie, I do not believe that I could necessarily do a better job. I, I think this is... So what did you like about it? I love the characterization of Godzilla himself as something changed and harmed by the atom bomb, but he has existed for thousands of years. He predates humans. He is worshipped as a god in certain cultures. He is what I always thought of Godzilla to be as a very small child listening and watching the 1998 Godzilla movie. It's this this is an otherworldly force, not outside of Earth, but almost beyond it. He is he is not well, extraterrestrial. He is post and pre-terrestrial. Well he's mythological. He's mythological. He's mythological. And so that is different from the first Godzilla movie, 
which is that the nuclear bombs, you know, made something mutate. Yes, mutated right? something or, or awakened something. Because there are hints that maybe something existed in, in like, some of the islanders' culture. Like, they go to mm. Okinawa and, like, they mention Godzilla, but it's clearly implied that Godzilla is not supposed to be this big. He's not supposed to be this pissed off. He probably doesn't have nuclear breath. Right. But I love the 2014 Godzilla movie. I think... The human characters are not as fleshed out as I would have liked them, but people complain with the 2014 Godzilla movie about the ratio of humans to Godzilla, yeah. which I say, have you seen a Japanese Godzilla movie? This is actually a little bit ahead of that curve. Like, mm. Godzilla doesn't get a lot of screen time in these movies. It's a lot of people talking. That's true, and that's maybe one reason why I don't like all of the Godzilla movies, uh, because, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of talking. Yeah, no, I, I think... <laughs> I want to see something get destroyed! Yeah, I, I think seeing Godzilla in this capacity where he is... I remember we came out of the theater, and you were very... You, you didn't like Godzilla's characterization. You thought it was fairly inconsistent. Yeah. But I see him as very consistent. I think he is... He's In this movie, he's not a force of nature. He is an equalizer. He is the sheriff of the monster kingdom. He is, Whoa. okay, you're getting too big for your britches. Sit down. I'm going to take you out. Hmm. And I liken him to a rainforest conservationist. <laughs> and here's why. I did this with you. What? This was the comparison I made. Because you thought oh. it was ridiculous that he like had this weird eye... He had this moment of connection with the human character, Brody. Um, the soldier, Brody. Yeah. And my response was, he's trying to preserve the human race, not individual humans. Because like, as he's walking to the sea for the last thing, he probably stepped on a couple people. <laughs> you know, he probably, he probably killed a couple people over the course of this movie. And you thought that was inconsistent. But to me, it's like a rainforest conservationist who wants to... Who, who, you know, ties themselves to one of the trees or, or, you know, I don't know, beats up some of the guys who are supposed to be operating the steam shovel. But, you know, he probably stepped on a couple ants to walk into the rainforest, you know, okay. like he's not looking underfoot, but he broadly wants to keep this environment. Hmm. And I think that is very consistent. I don't think he cares about the people who drowns when he surfaces on Hawaii, but I think hmm. he's very concerned that he's driven this opposing monster off of Hawaii. I think hmm. that matters to him. I think if humans got too big for their britches, which I think is gonna is what's implied to happen for the next film, hmm. I think he's gonna come back and be like, "Okay, guess what? We're going. It's your turn." Well, so it was commercially successful. Uh, the twenty fourteen Godzilla now has spawned this year's Kong Skull Island, which I really did like. Yes. And so uh, they're supposed to appear together in the next movie. Or? Well, the next movie what, is what happens next. The next one is uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh huh mild, very mild spoilers for uh, Kong Skull Island. Uh, they do clearly illustrate that Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Rodan, three of Godzilla's classic adversaries slash allies, will all be present in the next one. So in it's the next Kong. In, no, in the next... In the next I'm confused! In the next Godzilla movie. Okay. After that will come Godzilla vs. King Kong. So basically, this great folktale has recently been rebooted the same way they recently rebooted Star Trek... They recently rebooted Star Wars. It's really interesting to see how Hollywood and really global media are trying to bring these characters into the 21st century and kind of and reboot them, refresh them, and, and go forward with projects that are, what, $150 million? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's not, not cheap to make. You know, I, I really like the 2014 Gods of the Movie. I, I was happy that main characters are our military guys. I like that, you know, this is clearly a, a movie about 
let, let me give you a little bit of personal background. And this is uh, going to be news for, I think, almost anyone outside of my immediate family. When I was applying to VCU Film School, which was, uh, when it came down, folks, uh, when it came down to my college decision, it was between VCU's Film School, which is very exclusive, admits maybe 100 people a year, and Grinnell College. And I got in partially on the strength of my pitch to them. You had to pitch them a movie mm -hmm. as part of your application. Mm -hmm. And I pitched them a film that reads a lot like this Godzilla movie, which is... <laughs> so you were pitching that in 2011? Yes, I was pitching, I was trying to, I wanted to pitch a movie about, uh, my specific pitch was a guy who like loses his leg or loses his arm at the start of the film due to one of these giant monster fights. Mm -hmm. And the whole rest of the movie is like, in, like a small indie character study of, okay, how do you go back to work when your workplace has been decimated by a giant monster? You're now missing an arm. You know, what do you tell your family? Oh, well, a giant transformer stepped on my arm. <laughs> you know, like, like it's, it's silly to say out loud, but I love seeing the emotional consequences of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. feel like, I don't feel like the 2014 Godzilla movie takes any shortcuts in, in hmm. how it gets to its emotional stakes. That's I think, funny. That's because I have the opposite view where I think that, it it clearly is trying to do that to show the the human scale view of this monster, except that it it just falls into some of the same old action movie tropes where you know this gang of two or three people survives everything, all the falling rubble, no problem. Yeah, yeah, I I think I think that just comes down to to you got to protect your main characters. Um, but to be <laughs> fair, not all of them. In fact, the biggest star of the movie. Brian Cranston bites it in the first 30 minutes. I know, but that's that's just... Um... That's not nothing. <laughs> this was his first credit after Breaking Bad. That's He's true. He's the that's marquee true. name on this thing, and he dies. And, and it's not even like a heroic death. He's just like, whoops, there's a crane that just collapsed on me. Like right. it, He right. doesn't get a heroic final like speech. He's like, son... You need to kill the monster. He's just squished. He's just squished. So, well, maybe I should rewatch it. I've only seen it the one time in 2014 when it came out. I saw it, I think, three times Seven, in the theaters. 24? No, no, no. You sure? The, the world record is still held by Fury Road, which I have seen five times in the theater, spending money for it seven times because I saw it twice at my college's theater for free. Um, and we have the Blu-ray. I think you're God, I love that. Um, <laughs> That's a different podcast. Let's, yeah. let's keep this clean. All right, so... Uh, we're, we'll wrap up by saying which of the Godzilla movies would you recommend if someone has never seen a Godzilla movie and needs to understand you know, what it means for our culture, like which one would you shoot into space with the Chuck Berry record? Um, because I don't care. I'm not sure that I would send one into you space. You wouldn't even send the 1954 one. I suppose I would. Yes, not even I, going to send the Raymond Burr one into I, space? Fine. He, uh, he definitely is in the canon. Uh, he, this is not just a geek thing. I think, uh, yes, everybody needs to understand uh, why the Godzilla movie, why they've been going on. Just like you have to understand James Bond or you have to understand Superman. I mean, like, can we stop talking about Godzilla? Just, I'll say the 1954 one. I don't care. Okay, so I would shoot. I'd say I'd say Godzilla 2000 into space. Um, not just because it's it's a formative document for me, but because it's really... I mean, it's it's just a it's just a whiz bang Godzilla movie. It's got the deeper scientific themes there. It's got the strong character work. It's got him wait, versus an alien. Wait, is that the one where he fights the creature that looks like Gino? No, that's <laughs> that's so. First of all, the, the, the American Godzilla that we talked about with the Matthew Broderick, it's called 
Gino by the fans because it's Godzilla in name only. Yes. Which and movie does... So, <laughs> to wrap up the podcast, you know, 2000 is my pick into space, but there is a showdown between a very traditional, upright-looking Godzilla in the suit... The, the Japanese C- Godzilla. Yeah, versus a CGI version of the American Godzilla over the Sydney Opera House, and that takes place in the 20, 2004 Godzilla Final Wars. Yeah. And that fight is under a minute. It is so... I mean, he Gino shows up and does, like, his screech... And Godzilla's like, okay, I've had it. He whips him with a tail, hits him into the Sydney Opera House, and just goes, foom, out of the mouth. Just annihilates the sucker. And it is such a declarative statement, like, okay, that sucks. I rule. <laughs> um, that's a really interesting one. We can't get into that. But 2004, what? Godzilla Final Wars, he's depicted as, like, like a, a villain of, like, a slasher movie. He's just like, what? yeah, he's just killing all these other monsters. He's just like, boom, 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 boom. Well, that's boom. true. Isn't it mostly at night? Yeah, yeah. Like, that he doesn't, movie. he doesn't, yeah. like, fight anyone. He's just like, oh, I guess you're here. Nuclear breath. Yeah. And he just, he's just knocking out his rogues gallery. And he gets to the end, and King Ghidorah's there, the final boss. He's like, hey, Godzilla, what's up? We've been enemies for, like, 40 years. And Godzilla's like, oh, I got something for your ass. And just, like, lights his heads on fire. Like. Wow. Well, so they did kind of a cleaning house, and they were going to reboot it. But you know what? The podcast is over. I don't care. I'll tell you what. When the next Godzilla movie comes out, we'll talk about it again, and you can get into all these other little details. I don't care. God, I love Godzilla. All right, fine. Thank you very much, my beloved son who loves Godzilla. I am Bentley. And I'm Samuel. And this has been the Re-View Podcast. Podcast. Thank God this one's over. Hey! God. Okay, so I didn't realize that we ended that former podcast at a mere 26 minutes, so I got another four minutes to talk about whatever Godzilla crap I want to talk about. He's walking out the room, but guess what? You can keep talking. More content is incoming. Okay. I don't care. So, what's really, really cool about, like, seeing Godzilla on, like, cave paintings at the end of Kong, it like implies that like even the cavemen knew about him and they're just desperately trying to wrap their brains around what they've seen. And he's like fighting Ghidorah and it's so cool and it's, oh my God, I love that stuff. And I love that like Godzilla doesn't just have enemies. Like sometimes he has allies. Like he likes to hang out with Rodan and like Mothra and, and Anguirus. Like he's, he's like buddy buddies with Anguirus in one of the Japanese movies. They even have like a little English speech bubble where... Like, Anguirus is talking to Godzilla. Godzilla's like, hey, you gotta go check this out. And Anguirus is like, ah, whatever, I'm tired. Like, it's hilarious, you know? Like, Godzilla changes to be whatever the, the, what the Japanese people need him to be. He is, he is a folk hero. He is a horrible monster. He is a storm. He is a god. He is... He, he can be adapted and molded to fit any story the way Batman can be, the way Superman can be, the way characters like Spider-Man can be, the way James Bond can be, the way all of these classical characters of literature can be adapted. Godzilla can be adapted the same way. Because he himself, as, as interesting as he is to me, it's watching the people react to him. What do people do when they are put into a situation where they physically cannot comprehend what they are seeing before them. And Godzilla will always present you with that dilemma. And he hasn't failed in that yet. Even in his worst films, he is always something that represents 
a force outside of ourselves that we cannot control. We can only hope to delay him. We can only hope to pause him. We can only hopefully stop him this one time. And then maybe when he comes again, we will be ready. But we aren't. We never are. And that is beautiful. That speaks to the human experience. That speaks to the nature of crises in our real world. Because we're never ready. We're never ready for the next great horror that will strike us. We are never ready. But we have to adapt. And that is our greatest strength as humans. And Godzilla and the Godzilla films bring that out in us. That's why I love Godzilla. Godzilla.